Welcome to the Quit Vaping Podcast, the podcast designed to make you a non-listener. In this show, I'm not going to scare you away from a life of vaping. What I am going to do is show you just how good your life can be without it. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to episode 45 today, guys. We're going to have an amazing episode on vaping and mental health today. And I just want to say this is part one of two of a two-part series. Today, we're going to talk about how vaping hurts your mental health. And then on the next episode next week, we're going to talk about how quitting vaping actually improves your mental health. So it's going to be an amazing episode. It's going to be completely packed with value. I'm going to tell you my story about mental health, why I'm in mental health. And I'm going to talk about mental health in a way that is really important that I think all adults should understand that I did not learn about in neither my four-year psychology degree or working clinically in a psychiatric hospital full-time for a year and a half. With no further ado, enjoy this two-part series. Hello and welcome to episode 45 today. So this is going to be an amazingly juicy episode for you talking about how vaping relates to your mental health. And before I get into that today, I want to tell you why I'm doing this, why I do this work, and it all relates very heavily to the episode. So in 2019, I went through a clinical depression and I wanted to unalive myself for about four months. I was very shameful about it. I didn't really talk to anyone. I was having some pretty like aggressive outbursts and I was pretty nasty to my family. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. There was a lot of issues going on. And this actually led me to want to study psychology. Around that same time, I decided that if I was going to study psychology, I should get a job working in a setting where people are going through the same thing so I can actually help them because I was kind of working my way out of it after about the four to five month mark. And I really wanted to help people with it. And just as a side note, if you don't know what to do with your life, Find a problem that you've struggled with that you're fixing in your life or that you have fixed and help other people do that. Very meaningful. So just a little bit of information for you uh, in terms of direction. Anyways, I got my four-year degree in psychology while I was working at an inpatient uh, psychiatric hospital in the state of Michigan. And I spent a year and a half working full-time, working about five days a week, going into a psychiatric hospital, being around people who are experiencing clinical mental health issues on pretty much every measurable disorder you could have. There was eating disorders, there was clinical depression, there was psychosis, there was schizophrenia, there was bipolar, there was borderline personality disorders, there was mood disorders, there was eating disorders, there was personality disorders. I learned so much. And I want to talk to you guys about this today. Here's a statistic. I just, I watched a YouTube video that was out and their news said that 81% of people start vaping to depreciate to decrease feelings of anxiety, depression, or stress. So it's really important that we talk about this today. As you guys know, if you've listened for a while, I'm a very staunch supporter that addiction does not help you with your mental health for a lot of very obvious reasons. But it's important to understand, a lot of people don't actually understand mental health. They don't understand what's going on. They have an emotion. They want to get out of it. So they use something to get out of it. Now, there's a lot of problems with this. So I want to take a second to say that stress and anxiety and feeling sad are completely normal emotions for everyone to have pretty much at some point during every day. I want to say that again. There's nothing clinical about having emotions. There's nothing wrong with having emotions. Now, this is a problem because when I worked in the psychiatric hospital, um, very often emotions were being pathologized. They were being diagnosed as something that was wrong. And I want to say this first. There is a level of emotions that you have that actually is considered a diagnosable disorder but most people are not living under one of those diagnoses. So mental health disorders have been created to help people who are genuinely sick 
not people who have just a normal amount of emotion. And it's important to understand this because when you pathologize, when you label something as broken or wrong that isn't, you end up creating so much damage in your life and you end up trying to solve for a problem that doesn't exist. So let me give you an example. Anxiety. Anxiety is an emotion we feel when our mind thinks that our bodies are in danger. That's pretty much what anxiety is. So anxiety feels like an elevated heart rate, your hands will get sweaty, your chest might get a lot of energy, you're on the lookout, you get vigilant. That's anxiety. It's a normal emotion. It's actually really good to experience that emotion, especially if you're doing something where you want increased alertness. Very, very good. Now, most people, when they experience anxiety, what they do is they diagnose it as there's something wrong with them, and then they try to solve for it. This is actually the problem that's created when there is no problem. And that's why people use things like alcohol and vaping and overeating because they're trying to get out of an emotion that's completely normal to experience. Okay, so cognitively understanding that anxiety isn't an issue is a really important part of quitting vaping for good. Now, I want to say this as well. There is a level of anxiety where it does become clinical, and I'm not diagnosing anybody on this podcast, but what I want to say is that if you are non-functioning, because this is actually the way you diagnose clinical anxiety, is if you are non-functioning in certain areas of your life because of your anxiety, you should go to a medical professional or a clinical therapist to get diagnosed with a disorder so you can get that fixed. And the best way to fix anxiety disorders is actually with therapy and medication, but I would recommend that you, the more important part of that is therapy because you want to work out the reason, the source of the anxiety. And in general, medications, I don't have a problem with them. They're so beautiful and they're amazing. But in general, medications do not solve mental health problems. They patch them. This is the exact thing you're doing with vaping. There's something going on beneath the surface. It might not be clinical, by the way. It might just be normal anxiety. And you're trying to solve for it and fix for it with a substance. Well, let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> okay. I'm getting. I'm trying to talk really carefully today, but it's really important to understand. And I don't want to discount, let me put this out. I do not want to discount the clinical mental health world, okay? I spent a year and a half working with people who were very, very clinically sick, who really did need the combination of medication and therapy. So I don't ever want to discount that, but I think it's very important to understand that if you're not clinically ill and you're diagnosing yourself or you think there's a problem that doesn't exist, you're going to create so much more harm in your life than need be, okay? The next thing is stress. So again, I'm going to read the stat. 81% of people start vaping to decrease feelings of anxiety, depression, or stress. So stress is a completely normal emotion. And I want you to know this. And if you haven't heard me say this before, it's really important. Your thoughts create your emotions. Your thoughts create your emotions. That's how your brain works. That's how your body works. Your thought is a sentence in your mind that is optional, that releases hormones into your body that is an emotion. An emotion is literally a hormonal fingerprint so what I mean by that is it's a bunch of chemical reactions happening all over your body in very specific places. So that's why a lot of people can feel anxiety in their chest buzzing because there's actually chemicals being released in your chest buzzing. That's what an emotion is. Stress is a normal emotion caused by your thoughts. And, you know, I coach people every single day. What I do as a life coach is I help you understand your thoughts and actually understand your emotions because those are the guiding forces through everything you create in life. So if you can get a handle on those, you can actually create the life that you want that actually does happen for people. I see it every day. I do it every day. I practice it every day. Stress is a normal emotion, and so many people create unnecessary negative emotions in their life, and they do this by not managing their thoughts, okay? So if you're the type of person who feels like you can't control your thoughts or you spiral with thoughts, that's actually something that you can learn how to do and solve for. It's called managing your mind, and it's a skill set that's taught in coaching. If you want to learn how to manage your mind, I would recommend it because it's the most important thing you can do, by the way. If you're not managing your mind, you're not managing anything in your life, your results, your goals, any of that. So 
I'd recommend that that's something you actually consider as important in your life. If you want to learn how to manage your mind, um, you can get coaching. You can go and learn about basic CBT tools. You can like start reading about like any self-help book that's good, right? Like Think and Grow Rich is a good book for that. Um, Joe Dispenza has a lot of good work on this. Brooke Castillo with Life Coach School. Like at its core, life coaching is teaching you the skill of managing your mind, which also helps you manage your body, your emotions, right? Because your thoughts create your emotions. So if you're having a lot of stress in your life, I would guarantee you, especially if you don't have life coaching tools like the ones I teach or you have not trained in them or practice them regularly, I guarantee you that some of the stress, if not most of it, is being created by you not managing the thoughts in your head and by thinking that your thoughts are not optional. For example, a lot of people have stress because they wake up and the first thing they think to themselves is, I'm so busy. This is what my brother is famous for. My older brother, I love him to death, but he has this expression he loves to say to everyone, he's so busy and he's always stressed, always stressed out. And guess what he does? He's vapes. He uses Zen pouches. He's constantly smoking weed. He's constantly drinking alcohol. He's constantly drinking black coffee with two shots of espresso. Why? Because he's not managing his mind and therefore he's feeling a lot of emotions that he's also numbing, right? So it's a thought issue. I have so many emotions I need to numb because I don't know how to think and manage my thoughts and I don't know how to feel my emotions. Well, that's the problem. Again, that's exactly what I help people with. All right, so anxiety, normal emotion, unless it's actually clinically diagnosable with a lot of people and a vast majority it isn't. So don't don't allow yourself to believe there's something wrong with you for experiencing anxiety. That's why you're using so many substances to get out of something that isn't a problem to begin with. Um, the cure is learning how to feel that emotion and not pathologize it. The next one is stress. Obviously, we talked about this. Stress is just as a normal emotion as anxiety. You know what other emotions are that are normal? Um, happiness, shame, fear, panic, guilt, all normal emotions. Again, any one of those could be technically diagnosable. If it's if you're so panicked that you're having panic disorder and stress and panic attacks, yes, that's diagnosable. And most likely, there's some trauma behind the scenes that needs to be processed and dealt with that's creating the panic. But guess what? There's a level of panic that people have that's not diagnosable. Sometimes I panic. Sometimes in my mind, I, I see something and I have a thought about it and I panic and I just need to bring it back to awareness and realize, okay, that's okay. Nothing's gone wrong. I had a thought, created an emotion. I can just be with the emotion and then I can look at the thought and see if that's actually a thought that I want to keep thinking. That's pretty much it. All right. Now the third thing on here, I'm going to read the stat one more time. 81% of people start vaping to decrease feelings of anxiety, depression, or stress. Okay. So let me just say this really fast. Depression is not a feeling. Clinical depression is not a feeling. It's a diagnosable mental health mood disorder. Okay. So many people in today's society use the word depression very incorrectly. And the reason that I care about that, there's a couple of reasons. One is that I've gone through clinical depression and that is a diagnosable disorder. And actually, to be honest with you, uh, it's really important to learn the skill set of managing your thoughts, especially if you're clinically depressed, because what happens when you're clinically depressed is you feel unworthy. You feel like there's no purpose in your life. And then you end up believing these thought spirals that actually make you feel so much worse to the point where you don't even want to be on earth anymore. It's a clinical disorder. I do believe in depression. I do believe it's a real thing. I do believe that most people that are using the word are using it incorrectly. So depression itself in the clinical sense is not a feeling that you have. It's a whole cluster of symptoms that like actually does make sense to diagnose, right? And then I just want to throw this in here. I think it's very important to put this information anywhere I have a platform Depression is a meaning deficit at its core. What that means is that suffering in life is normal, okay? 
everybody experiences suffering. That's part of the deal of being a human being on this planet and being able to be hurt, right? Like physically and mentally. That's the deal. So depression happens when you actually don't have enough meaning to bear the suffering. I want you to think about meaning and suffering on a scale. It's the same scale, right? But they're on opposite sides. So imagine it's like the weight of suffering goes heavier and you don't have enough meaning to bear it. And that's where depression happens. So how do you fix for depression? You have to find meaning in your life. Now, my favorite psychiatrist, his name is Viktor Frankl. And if you've never heard of him, I would highly recommend you read the book, Man's Search for Meaning. And the whole entire theory behind Viktor Frankl's work, it's called logotherapy. It means therapy of meaning, therapy of like finding meaning is that he helps you find a meaning for your suffering. And he says that at the moment that you can actually find a meaning, suffering ceases to be suffering. That's exactly what he's talking about. And I believe that that's what's happening in today's society. Why is clinical depression so high? Because as life gets easier and people don't have any meaning in their life to justify, they sit on the couch all day without any purpose. Then when you suffer, it makes sense to logically get depressed. Anyways, I'm not diagnosing anybody here. I have a lot of information on depression. It's like a passion of mine. I know a lot of people don't think that depression is something they're passionate about. Well, it is for me. So um, I am considering coming out with a course and coming out with information. It's very, very tricky to do this legally, but um, I want to do a course on clinical depression solved in a life coaching, non-clinical sense. And that's going to be really hard because I don't even think I can call it clinical depression and I can't solve clinical depression because I'm not licensed. But anyways, long story short, if you're depressed, go to therapy, get somebody who can help you. It is something that's temporary. It is something that you can get solved for. I promise you. I know what it's like. I promise you. I have the most meaningful life ever right now. And four years ago, if someone would have told me that was possible, I wouldn't have believed them, but I'm living proof of it. So anyways. All right. So clinical depression itself. Yes, you should go get that treated properly. But the feeling of depression, like the actual feeling of being like down, I don't even want to call it depressed because that's kind of confusing, is something that, again, it's a normal emotion that you don't need to solve for. Like you are allowed to just not feel great all the time. And even when you have a really meaningful life, you're going to have days where you wake up and you just feel down and be careful not to call that depression because there's a whole lot of belief systems circling that and you don't want to mislabel something. So when we try to pathologize something that isn't actually broken or wrong, that's when we create issues in our life and that's when we start to use addictions in order to solve for things. So important to understand that. Now, I also want to say this, vaping is nicotine, right? So everybody knows that nicotine addiction is why you vape, right? Nicotine is a stimulant. That means that it pretty much increases your heart rate and your blood pressure. That's what a stimulant does. Other stimulant examples are caffeine, cocaine, methamphetamines, and prescription stimulants like Adderall, okay? The whole entire function of a stimulant is to put your body into a increased state, right? It's stimulating your body. It's like, okay, heart rate needs to go up, blood pressure goes up. And that's why a lot of people say that things like nicotine and caffeine, they, and obviously prescription stimulants, they help them focus and concentrate, right? That is why prescription stimulants are given to people with ADHD because it raises their whole cardiovascular system up and helps them to focus and concentrate. But here's something I want to tell you is that so often, especially with nicotine, because nicotine's not controlled, right? When you hit a vape all day long, you have no idea how much nicotine you're actually getting. So if you have more, I don't even want to say too much, I'm doing this in the air quotes, too much nicotine, enough to raise your anxiety up, then you're actually hurting yourself, right? So many people aren't using nicotine in a regulated way. That means that they're actually using a lot of nicotine. And when you use a lot of nicotine, it raises your blood pressure up to a place where it actually gives you more anxiety. Here's why. Remember, anxiety is an emotion. It's created by your thoughts where your mind, your thinking 
thinks that your body's in danger. So it raises up your cardiovascular system and it makes you alert. So think of anxiety as the emotion that's the natural stimulant. Well, guess what happens? When you vape to get out of anxiety, it has the complete opposite effect because it's raising your cardiovascular system up with the anxiety. It's making you more anxious, right? It's completely nonsensical to say that vaping helps with anxiety. And here's the other caveat. What is drug addiction? At its very core, being addicted to something is being dependent on something chemically or psychologically, or in the case of nicotine, it's both, right? Because nicotine is an addictive substance. So your body and your mind are focused and they need the substance. And when you do not have the substance you're addicted to, whether it is nicotine or porn or alcohol or gambling, when you don't have that substance, your body's natural response to make you want to use that substance is by creating anxiety in your body. That's the entire function of addiction. So when you're vaping, it increases anxiety. And when you're not vaping because you're addicted to it, it increases anxiety. Does that make sense to you? The reason that people think that, that vaping helps with anxiety is 100% brainwashing because that's what they've been taught by their parents or by nicotine companies or their parents who have been taught by nicotine companies and tobacco companies that that is what's happening, that that's what's good for you. And I'm not saying this tongue in cheek. The reason I don't vape anymore is because I actually became honest with myself. That's it. I became honest with myself that I wasn't feeling my emotions and I became honest with myself that actually the stories I was telling about nicotine were not true. And I say this before and I'm going to say it again. This work isn't about brainwashing yourself to believe new things that aren't going to serve you. It's about unbrainwashing yourself to stop believing things you've been taught by people who want to manipulate you to make money. Here's the thing. I've said it before and I, I kind of agree with this and I'm, I'm on the fence. I don't think that nicotine can be used casually. And here's what I want to tell you is I went to a cigar bar about a month ago with my, you know, my family's Italian. So of course there's one of them that owns a cigar bar, right? Like we're very tired. We have the stereotypes like cigars. My dad says you get the construction or food and like, that's right. That's right. So a lot of my family owns construction companies. A lot of them own restaurants. And then like, I feel like just cigar bars is like a, a hobby is like something totally Italians would do. So, um, I went to the cigar bar a couple, uh, like about a month ago and I, everyone in my family was getting a cigar. Like it's the whole point you go to a cigar bar and like whatever. Um, and I decided I was going to try it and I wanted to test out this whole, like, you know, am I going to be dependent on it by the, at the end of the night? And actually I wasn't, I smoked a cigar. It was kind of gross. It was actually really heavy. It was too heavy for me to smoke a cigar. And then, um, by the end of the night, I was kind of grossed out by it. And I'm like, blah. And then I woke up in the morning, had no desire, but this is my experience is when it comes to vaping, you have to understand that vapes have so much nicotine in them. So I'm going to do an episode on the documentary on Netflix. They have called big vape and I'm reading the book right now. Um, by her last name is Ducharme. I don't know, but you can look it up on Amazon if you want to buy it. But pretty much in that documentary, they show how nicotine was able to be delivered in a really potent way. So pretty much if you add nicotine salts to nicotine, like the liquid vapor nicotine that they put in vapes, you can cut the harshness of the nicotine so that you can take a shit ton of nicotine into your body without it being super harsh. So that's what Juul did. Juul was kind of the one who originated with all that technology. Is like, if we add nicotine salt to it, we can make you have a huge nicotine hit and it doesn't really feel that harsh on your body. Your body's natural defense mechanism to saying that you're being poisoned is turned down when we add nicotine salts that trick your body into thinking that it's safe. That's exactly what's happening. So when you're vaping, it's a shit ton of nicotine. And a lot of people are vaping all day, every day. Actually, in that documentary, there was kids. There was kids addicted to Juul and they were using three pods a day 
That is the equivalent of three packs of cigarettes a day. That's normalized now. That much nicotine use is normalized now because the companies that create vapes like Juul have actually manipulated us into believing that you can just have that much nicotine and it should be normal. You know what's so funny about that? My dad smokes two packs of cigarettes a day. That is completely asinine to me. That is wild. I once timed him when I was 13 years old, you guys, because I've been fighting this battle for a long time. It's not a battle. I'm just kidding. I just help inspire. But um, I was 13 years old. We were watching a movie and I decided to time his cigarettes just to pay attention. I'm like, I, you know, it was an experiment for me. Every seven minutes, that man lit a cigarette and he smoked him for three or four. So like there was a three minute gap where he was just lighting up unconsciously cigarettes. He's watching a movie, not paying attention, lighting, lighting, lighting. And by the way, he used to smoke in the house. So you just literally be in a room. He'd turn on the fan too. So like there'd be a fan blowing cigarette smoke all around the room. So just in case, you know, you weren't sitting on the right side of him, he wanted to make sure everybody got the smoke blown in their face. So that's my childhood and a great man, great man. Just um, doesn't know how to feel his emotions, has no desire to learn. That's his biggest curse, you know? One that's totally self-induced. So back to the story. Um, using vapes has so much nicotine in it now that it's completely normalized, like in a ridiculous amount of nicotine. And this is a problem because when you're using that much nicotine, I promise you, and you don't have to agree with me, but I promise you as a life coach who helps people feel their emotions every day, I promise you that's raising your, your stress and your anxiety. It's impossible for it not to. Imagine taking like a stimulant like coffee and drinking like eight cups of it throughout the day. And then try to tell me that you're not more elevated in a bad way because you, everybody knows that tipping point with coffee, right? You're like, holy crap, I had a, like a cup and a half of coffee and I was off the ball and you're, but we don't recognize it with vaping because we like to brainwash ourselves that it's not doing anything negative. And also most people have not been brainwashed by the coffee companies that coffee helps you reduce anxiety. Well, you know what's so funny is that nicotine and coffee are both stimulants. So they do the exact same thing. So why is it normal to say that coffee doesn't help with anxiety, but then it is for nicotine? Because there's not a billion or $10 billion of advertising and brainwashing with the tobacco company with the coffee companies, but there are with the tobacco companies. So this has been kind of a lot of an episode. The whole entire point is to say that clinical mental health is a real thing and that most of people who are vaping are misdiagnosing it and that vaping doesn't actually help you with any mental health problems and especially not with clinical mental health problems. How could it? Addiction will not make you a mentally healthier person. And anybody who wants to say it is, please question that with so much love and compassion for yourself. Because it's not hurting me for you to believe that. Just so you know. So you don't need to try to argue with me. But like, look at your life. Anybody who's being completely truthful with themselves will know that addiction is not helping your mental health. And that I can. Sign up for my program. And this is what I want to say too, because people are going to have a problem with this episode. And I like to bounce on the line of put like um, controversial. I'd like to bounce on that line because I think that mental health care is completely broken and needs a change. So I will speak controversially, but I do want to say, and I will say this again, please, I believe in clinical problems. I believe in clinical mental health. I believe in medication, but I believe that we are far over diagnosing and I believe that we're far mis misusing medication. And I believe that a lot of times people go into the clinical world without having first understood basic mental health things that might actually be the real issue and it might not be a clinical issue. So I do value everyone. If there's a therapist listening or a clinical psychologist, I love your work. <laughs> I love your work. And I, I do want to like make sure that I'm not, you know, stigmatizing mental health because it's a real thing. But I also want to tell you that um, the mental health care field has become, I think, just as damaging as it has undamaging. So you have to be an intelligent consumer of information and you have to be honest with yourself. 
Okay. So I love you guys. You're seriously amazing. Like if you think you have a clinical issue, please go get licensed help and clinical help. But you know, you decide that for yourself at the end of the day, you know, I worked in the psychiatric hospital in Michigan and it didn't really help people that much. It kind of did. The main reason it didn't really help people in a way that could have been really impactful for a lot of the people there, I think why it just helped the small minority of people, is because it was involuntary care. And what that means is there's a system called a petition certification or a PIT insert. And I'm not going to go too much into detail, but pretty much you can get petitioned by a medical professional and that removes your rights to decide if you need care. And then you get involuntarily admitted into a psychiatric hospital where a psychiatrist can make the decision if you need to stay, which they almost always do. Um, so you are there involuntarily against your will in a lot of cases. That does help people. Sometimes the vast majority are never going to subscribe to that kind of treatment for understandable reasons, but it's the best thing we've got going right now at the moment. And while there's benefits to that system, there's a huge flaw in it, is that if you don't have active participation in your mental health, the shit's not going to work. They can shove pills down your day every or down your throat every single day. They can do that. It ain't going to work for you. It will. Kind of, until you stop taking the pills. So you have to be an active participant in your mental health. You have to be an active participant in wanting to show up and wanting to do this work and wanting to do the emotional work and wanting to actually question the thoughts you have that aren't serving you in your life. Because if you're not there to help yourself, nobody else can help you. But you deserve help. The reason why I have a meaningful life now today, really, and why I'm in a business is because every single day I wake up and I decide to actively participate in my own mental health. And that's it. So... You was kind, you was smart, you was important. Listen, right now this course is on sale for $97. It's a one-time payment. You're literally on one-time payment to get all the material I teach you, the actual curriculum that's going to help you quit, and you get two live calls a week, and you get live call recordings. You are never going to get this offer ever again for $97 to get this much access to this high quality of a life coach. I promise you. Not for me, at least. After that, it's going back up to $297, my first 100 people, and I'm going to hold it there. And I might even go up after that because this program works. It's helping people. It's hugely impactful, and it's going to change your life on so many dimensions. I'm actually really excited to say that I'm going to start having um, people come on who are my testimonials. We're going to talk about how this work has changed your life. But if you're not sold on the $97 offer yet, then you can stick around and wait for those. But it's going to be about a month till those come out. Um, so I'd recommend you get in because I think in a month, this program will no longer be $97. So thank you for being here. If you have any questions, please let me know. Uh, hopefully I haven't offended anybody too badly with the clinical mental health stuff, but I'm very serious about mental health. I really want people to get the help they need. And this is work that I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. And I, I'm, I'm very, very passionate and intentional about the way I speak. So thank you guys for being here. I will see you on the next episode. What's up, guys? I hope you're enjoying the show and that each episode is bringing you one step closer to becoming a non-listener. If you'd like to take all this information to the next level and finally quit vaping for good, you can check out the course link in my bio. Have a great day. See you next week.